Luke chapter 1. Typically, people say, well, the Christmas account begins and it starts off in Luke chapter 2, but no, it begins before that. There's a celebration of this gift that we see oftentimes we think of the celebration of Christmas as being when when the, the babe is laid in the manger and they all come and they bring gifts and they see all this. But there was a celebration before that in the very fact that Mary, that young virgin, the God that had chosen to use, Mary who was uh, very indeed blessed to be the earthly mother of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, she celebrated the Lord long before his birth. In Luke chapter 1, uh, we have the account, we know the months between the, the Christ's birth uh, and the actual, uh, well, the announcement of his birth and the actual event of his birth. Um, they were hard months. They were hard decisions to be made. Joseph is well. Mary as well, there were things going on. And there was anxiousness, no doubt, in the waiting for Mary and for Joseph, both. Um, but as difficult as the time as it was, um, and, and having never been through that myself, uh, having never been through uh, anything, I don't, even though we have women here who have children, you've never been through what Mary's been through. And... Uh, especially the way she did it. And the way she conducted herself was a pleasure to see. It really is. In this passage we're looking at this morning, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is also expecting a very special baby. And we know that child is John the Baptist. And uh, so that makes them cousins, Jesus and John. So when Mary arrives at her cousin's house, at Elizabeth's house, she speaks to Elizabeth. Uh, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt with joy. Leapt with joy. You know, I, I would think that reminds us today that an unborn child is more than just a blob of tissue. Amen. Amen. You know, it would seem when God had that put into his word and he, he obviously every bit of God's word is inspired. One more proof that God knows the end from the beginning is God sees maybe even this time and says, I'm going to put, give you a gift this 2,000 years in writing. I'm going to give you a gift, folks, to prove to you that that child is a child, not just tissue. It would seem God wants those people today who claim that a baby in the womb is just tissue to realize it's a real baby. It's a person. It says that the, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And Elizabeth responded by just telling Mary that she is blessed and that she is favored and she is oh, just so blessed for all that God is going to do for her and through her and with her. He's going to do so much through her. Hearing this, Mary, even though she's young, even though she's young, she's unmarried yet, she's, she's just newly uh, with child, 
she begins to lift her voice in praise. She begins to celebrate the Lord. And that's such a blessing. Uh, we're going to look at this. And she, she brings in her blessing. She brings back in the celebration of this Old Testament, New Testament. It all comes together. She exemplifies to us in what we're about to read that we can praise the Lord in spite of our circumstances, in spite of any moments that are struggles and strife, and that God's grace is sufficient for every single adventure, every single trial, every single trouble of our times. Now, Mary's great song is known as the Magnificat. We've heard a lot about, you know, Latin this and the way songs were brought up and stuff. But in, in, in our scriptures, Basically, what that means is my soul celebrates the Lord. And what she's saying, this Christmas season, as well as every Christmas season, is about our relationship with the Lord. It truly is. And learning to celebrate the Lord. Uh, celebrate his glory and celebrate the very goodness that is God. So this morning, let's spend just a few moments. And we're going to look at this... Uh, what some have called a great anthem of celebration from Mary. Um, we're going to look at her celebrate the Lord. Amen. Luke chapter number one, beginning in verse number 46. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden." For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed through strength through with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hope in his servants Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Father, we thank you for your words so perfectly preserved, so perfectly kept, so perfectly given to us in these scriptures, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you for the very blessedness that indeed, Lord, we'd ask you to help us now today as we desire to celebrate the Lord. Father, as Mary celebrated the Lord, that Christ child that was still within her, Lord, help us to see the joy that she saw Feel the joy and experience the joy and live that joy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Mary expresses her personal praise and all this. And, and uh, she's praising a, a few things. First and foremost, looking back in verse number 46 and 47, she's, she's praising the Lord because she's been redeemed. Look at verse 46. Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. 
Okay, not everybody on earth can say that. That's a tragic thing. My Savior, she said. She claims him. She knows Jesus or God is her Savior. And that that child within her, you know, you've heard me say in a tongue-in-cheek, it kind of kicks, you know, tickles me. And I, <laughs> several years ago, I've actually made the mistake. But you know that song, Mary, Did You Know? Boy, I don't like that song. Is there a dumber question you could ask? I mean, I'm sorry, but of course Mary knew. The angel of the Lord told Mary. And so she is with joy and celebration. That's why she is this way. She travels to her cousin Elizabeth's to be there. And Elizabeth, now she's not knowing Elizabeth is going to just fawn on over her and say the things. But rather than keep all that, like, yes, 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 I'm, that's right, God chose me. Yes, go ahead and pour the accolades. No, no, no. She states that her soul magnified the Lord. Her soul. Because she'd been redeemed. You know, the first object, for the first thing for which she lifts her voice is in her salvation. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, you think about it. She declared in verse 47 here her dependence upon God. Not, oh, look at me, I'm so good, I'm so good. She had been redeemed. You know, I, I would challenge every Christian, every Christian under the sound of my voice, to just offer the very sacrifices and praise unto the Lord today that she did. She, she, I mean, we can't offer those very same sacrifices. I mean, her reputation, her lifestyle, her life, all those things. She was in danger of losing her life because of the Hebrew law. Here she is with child. She's not wed. Therefore, she was in violation of the law and she should be executed according to the law. Joseph had every right to put her away, to, to, to privately break that, that in, by way of divorce, to break that engagement, but he did not. So she's celebrating that she has been redeemed. She's celebrating that she'd been regarded. Regarded, there's an interesting word. When you look up the word regard, we, we, kinda, we use it all the time, but it just means to turn your eyes toward and God's eyes were turned toward her. Look at verse 48. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. True to God's form. True to God's form. He didn't come out bringing the Messiah in sparkling gold and flowing robes, big chariots and pomp and circumstance and all this. No, he brought the Messiah, the, the Savior, of the world through a lowly handmaiden without the fanfare, without all of that that you would expect. You know, Elizabeth hears from Mary in this whole thing. Look, look, cuz, I'm nobody in this. I am a nobody. I'm not a queen. I'm not a princess. I am just me and God God, it's him. He's regarded. He looked at, he turned his eyes upon me. Why? I don't know, but I give him the glory for it. She'd been regarded. You know, you think about it. Uh, the apostle Paul, he wrote about grace and, and the product of pure grace is our salvation. When God regards us, when he turns his eyes to us, saves us from our sin, 
What a blessing. So we can have that. We have that very thing. But she'd also been rewarded. Verse 49, uh, the, the latter half of 48 and 49, uh, it says that, Behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. Notice this. She's given him the credit. He that is mighty, he hath done this. Elizabeth starts off with, oh, how wonderful you are, and you're blessed, and you're this, and you're that. You know, no, no, no. Mary's like, all credit goes to him. He has done this. He has done this. You know, that, and Mary realizes that God's done some, something pretty wonderful in her life. You know, she's, she's to be the means by which God sends the Messiah to his people. You know, I know that everybody in this room who has accepted Christ, who's been saved, has had some great things done by God. We've had answered prayer. We've had answered prayer in unbelievable ways, not just, not just our health. We see that. It seems like we always go to health as our, as our biggest you know, answer to prayer. Tumors the size of big ball that are removed and they're nothing. You know, cancer, stage four, cancer, gone. Uh, other types of things, gone. Healings, you know, babies with all sorts of difficulties. Uh, babies brought into families, amen? Amen. I mean, we've had all kinds of things that, you know, not just medical things. Jobs, everybody, you know, jobs, God provides those. Church family, love, you know, God provides all this stuff. We've all had some kind of blessings. He's done great things in us and to us. So we can celebrate the Lord, celebrate like, like Mary has. You know, you think about this. The question, I guess, would be is, are we doing as we should? Or are we falling back on the, well, I got my job because my resume looked really good. Or are we saying, well, I'm so thankful that the doctors found it early so it was able to be healed. You know, it could be just on death's door and God still would heal it. Amen? What a blessing, you know? But she celebrated for more than just that. She celebrated the Lord for, for his perpetual grace. In verse 50, you see in verse 50 the permanence of his grace. Verse 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Mary knows that she isn't the only one who received the gift that day. She knows this. If you go into, let's back up just a hair in, in chapter number 1. Verse number 31, behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. It wasn't just for Mary. She knew this was going to be a, a, a perpetual grace. It would go from generation to generation and keep going. And, and she understood that, and that's why she's celebrating. It wasn't just for her. Oftentimes we get stuck in this, this mode of congratulating ourselves and being so thrilled that we got a blessing, but we don't think about what that blessing could mean for the children, the grandchildren, 
the families, the aunts, the uncles, the neighbors, the friends, a blessing given. Probably the greatest blessing that your neighbors and your family and your friends could receive is when you got saved. Because that turns, uh, that puts off the old man and puts on the new, amen? And, and uh, I, I know from my own personal, there's probably a whole lot of folks going, I'm so glad he got saved. I know who I was then, and I know who I am now, amen, praise the Lord. You know, the, the grace, it, it, it goes, but it's a permanent grace. It's not just, just temporary. You know, it's permanent, and, and so she, she's, she's praising and, and celebrating that, but she's also celebrating not just the permanence of the grace that God has, but the performance of his grace. Look at verse 51 and 52. He that showed strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Now, that's, uh, sometimes that's a bit tough to read to, get, to understand, but here's the thing. God put the grace of God upon those who were most willing to receive it. You know, you, if you go through any time and you, you spend some time on visitation, you know, door knocking or talking to folks, and, and you'll understand and you'll experience this. You know, the most difficult people to get to listen to you are those that have it all. You know, I think that was a, a blessing for our ministry in Romania was we were, God had sent us to a people who had nothing and not a thing to carry that nothing in. And they were so willing to listen. And then when they listened, they didn't just, they didn't go in one ear and out the other. It went in their ear. It went through their mind, down to their heart. And they trusted in Christ because they found salvation. A lot of times people, that's why Jesus says, you know, it's easier for uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, why? It's not because they have the money. It's because that, that money has them. Things have them. They don't need it. It's the same people when you knock on their door and you say, you know, introduce yourself or whatever you're, t you're, wherever you're at and the conversation comes up and you ask them about the relationship with the Lord. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. What do they, they base that on? They base it on the very fact that they've got money in their wallet. They've got a job. Their car's working. They have a home. Hey, I'm good. God's blessing me. Well, wonderful. But God can bless you a whole lot more than that. Even a rich man. I know I know some people, all right, who are very comfortable. I'm talking very comfortable. I won't give names or anything, but here's a fellow who actually, we were talking about this earlier in the week, who actually was, was at a church where we attended, we were members at, and uh, he sold some land that was in his family. He said, I don't really need that land. I'm not using it anymore. So he sold some land and he tithed on his uh, his land sale and his tithe check was $110,000. It went in the offering plate that day. Well, I'd have just fallen over. You know, I don't know. I get the, you know, it'd be like, woo, you know, but uh, indeed. So I know some people who are very comfortable, financially comfortable, 
Their life is right on track. They would be the people that typically would say, no, no, I'm good. I have all we need. We're, we're good. But you know what else they have? They're blessed because they have the Lord. So having the money doesn't mean you can't pay attention to God. It doesn't mean you can't accept the free gift that Christ Jesus offers. No, no. It just means that sometimes people are so stuck in it that the money has them. And you think about it, you know, the performance of his grace, he reached out to the proud and the mighty. He reached out to the poor. He reached out to everyone in between. He reached out, I'm so glad he reached out to all. As we, as we know the verse, again, as that little three-year-old read, it was so cute. For God so loved the world. We're the world. We're the world. It, it, you know, I like that. It doesn't say, for God so loved the people of this region. For God so loved. I mean, he stands within rights to say that, that that scripture could actually say, for God so loved his people Israel that he sent his only begotten son. It could say that. But see, God knows the end from the beginning. So if you're sitting thinking about, well... As oftentimes you, 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 I do, anyway, I know some others do. You sit and think about it. As, as the Apostle John, who is a Jew, is writing this, for God so loved the world, okay, that's early on in, in John's ministry. How, how much of a conundrum that must have been for John. But no, no, God has sent the Messiah for the Jews. What's this world stuff? See, God knows the end from the beginning, amen? And, and, and so he performs this grace, and Mary is celebrating that fact, you know, and the very promise of his grace. Look at verse 53. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. Again, it doesn't mean, in scriptures and God certainly doesn't, because we know the very, those two verses meet together like this, not like this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay, this idea of, of the rich he has sent empty away doesn't mean God hates rich people and no, he didn't send his son for them. It's the rich that say, no, 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 I don't have any time for this Jesus. I don't have time for this Messiah. I don't have time, I'm good, no thank you. I don't need what you're peddling. Go on down the road, go away for I call the police and have you sent on. Or in some cases, like I've experienced, you get a shotgun put in your face. You know, you know, it's those that won't. They don't have to be rich financially, be rich in their own thoughts as far as what they have. I'm so good, I'm so blessed, I'm where I'm at right now, I don't need what you have. That's the rich that he sends away. We see this, you know. Uh, only those folks who are really willing to humble themselves before the Lord can expect a real blessing and can expect anything from the Lord. And you think, well, that sounds kind of, that's kind of harsh, Pastor. It's, you know, what do you mean? Only the humble. Well, that's, that's authority of God's word. Amen. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 18. We're right here in Luke. Just back up a couple books to Matthew chapter 18. I know most people think, well, chapter 18, that's the, if you have ought against your brother chapter. Yes, it is. That's covered too. But chapter 18 also has something very interesting. Verse 3 and 4. Excuse me, verse 3 and verse 4. 
This is Jesus speaking, and he says in verse 3, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children. Okay, there's the humble part. You shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. But watch this. Watch this. If so, if you have any confusion over the little children part, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humble himself. Getting back into Luke chapter 1, and Mary says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. He that is mighty hath done to me great things. Holy is his name. She humbled herself. She brought herself right, and she took herself out of the whole equation and put him there. Indeed, that's what we do. I mean, everybody here probably, you could say in your, in, your, in your experience of when you accepted Christ as your Savior, you had to humble yourself. Well, how do, how do we humble ourselves? Well, I'll tell you, it kind of went like this. I wasn't there for many, many, probably most of you getting saved, but I, I know for sure part of that humbling is admitting you are a sinner. Admitting you're a sinner. I am a sinner. I have sinned against God. And then knowing that he's the one who can take care of it. You can't. Well, I've sinned against God, so I'm going to give even more money this year to the church. At which point, the pastors and the church treasurer go, Woo, yay, amen. I hope you were a really bad sinner. No. <laughs> but indeed, no, it's not like that. It's simply, you know, you can't give financially. You can't give to the church anything that'll save you. You cannot sing in the choir loud enough, pretty enough, uh, often enough. You can't teach in Sunday school the very best lessons, the most amazing way. That isn't going to do it. No, you have to admit, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And that Savior, this is the part you have to admit, is Jesus Christ. That's what Mary's talking about here. It's Jesus. It is He. That's that part. He that is mighty hath done to me great things. What great thing? Put the Savior within her womb. What a blessing. You know, Mary reminds us of the promise of His grace as well, that those who, they realize their lack, can come to the Lord and indeed be filled. What a blessing. You know, those things, people who, who think, well, they have, they're in no need of anything at all. You know what? You can expect exactly that from God, too. If you think, well, I don't need anything. I have nothing I need in my life. Then that's what God will give you. That's unfortunate. That's that whole part about the fact that, that uh, the rich hath he sent empty away. We think about this. Mary is celebrating so much, you know. <clears throat> And she celebrated the Lord, and we'll look at this last topic here. For performed grace, performed grace. In 54 and 55, the verses there, Luke chapter 1. Remember who Mary is, okay? Mary is not a New Testament creature. Mary is not the member of a New Testament Baptist church. She's not the member of a, you know, no, Mary is Old Testament Jew, all right, she's Hebrew. She is a young lady that is still bound under the law. 
everything, all the promises God made to Israel, Mary knows of. She was raised up to understand them, to learn them, probably to say them, to recite them, to know them. In verse 54, notice how she gives God the credit. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. God's remembering what he promised Israel. Verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. God remembers his promises. This is what Mary's saying again. <laughs> how we, Elizabeth comes in and goes up to her and she goes off and, and Elizabeth spoke out with her voice saying, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. All this stuff. And going on and just fawning all over Mary. And Mary's like, oh, oh, oh stop. <laughs> Thanks, but no. No. God remembered his promise to us. And he's just using me. And I don't know why. But I certainly am willing. For centuries, the Jews, they had lived in the promise of the Lord that he would one day send a deliverer. And here he is. It's just been, just been, he's there. The deliverer is there. Deliver, oh, by the way, he's not a piece of tissue. He's not, he's not a zygote. He's not a fetus. He is a babe in the womb, taking the form of man. He is a Messiah to redeem his people and restore the nation to the very place of righteousness and favor with God. That's his purpose. You know, I got to just say, God still keeps his promises today. Amen? Amen. Amen. His word tells me, when I read in his word, it tells me that if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I shall be saved. I'm glad that he doesn't break promises because I just trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved me. What a blessing. You know, he can be trusted in every situation, too. Uh, he never lies. God will do what he said he will do. Amen? He told his people, Israel, even 2,000 years before this announcement, that he would send them a Messiah, that he would give them a king, a deliverer. He kept his promise. Therefore, we just trust him. We need to lean on him, trust him, believe him. Honor him. Celebrate him. You know what? Sometimes the answer isn't coming that fast. You know, again, we mentioned Simeon last Sunday. Oh, wow. Uh, here's a guy that at some point in his life, Simeon was told that he will not see death until he has seen the Messiah. That opens up a whole lot of things to think about, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of fun things to go with that, but there's also the very fact that, well, come on, let's get on with it. I want to see the Messiah. I want the Messiah to come. You know, I, I think about this all the time when, when people make this, the, the doom and gloom speeches of, oh, how bad the world's getting. <coughs> Excuse me. How bad the world's getting, and oh, look at it, what's going on now. Oh, any time now. It's like, you know what? That means the Lord's going to come. I bought a ticket. Why would I want the bus to be late? Or in this case, the express elevator. Up out of here. Why do I not want the Lord to come? 
You know, if it, if, if, it, if it took that, well, no, it's just people are being people and that's just the way we are just hateful of one another and everything else that's going on. Lord just knew it was going to happen. When he comes, that'll be in his timing. And in his time, we're not going to look at anything, but we have this promise that he will come. Amen. He told his people, Israel, that he would send a Messiah. He did send the Messiah. Was it in their timing? Oh, no. No, it wasn't in their timing. It's always got to be in God's timing. Amen? I mean, Paul dealt with that. The Apostle Paul. Here he was preaching the word how indeed, how indeed the Lord Jesus Christ had told his disciples, and when he goes, he will prepare a place and come back. And so all these Hebrews are going, hey, he's not come back yet. Come on now, Grandma, she just passed away. She believed in Jesus, and he, she's gone now. He didn't come back. You know what? They're just showing their nature because they started to revert back to what they used to know. Paul had to deal with that. See, God's timing isn't our timing. God's timing is God's timing. And it's up to us to do it. But know this, right here in verse 55. God remembers his people. Verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Okay, that forever doesn't go backwards. Okay, look at the order. Look at the order that Mary puts it in. Verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, okay, so Mary's generations before, and to Abraham, that's way back, all right, and forever. People get the idea that means forever back, all the way to, to Adam and Eve. Oh, no, forever also goes this way, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. on the timeline. That means even now, even now, he remembers his people. Where are his people? Amen. For God so loved the world. We're his people. Hey, we have the same reason to praise God this morning as Mary did. Albeit we're not carrying child, we're indeed carrying the Holy Spirit. Amen. Trusting in him. She praised his name that he remembered those who have placed their faith in him. She praised him. Check that out. Now watch carefully. Verse 55, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Mary is praising God for you, for me. She may not know us by name, which obviously she doesn't, but she's praising God. You know, we have the same reason to praise God this morning. There may be some today who feel like they've just been deserted or God hasn't been listening or whatever. Well, take that up with God. Maybe God has been speaking, you're just not listening. There may be some things you're going through. You know, we have his wonderful promise, a wonderful promise in his word, Jesus' very own word. And, and as soon as I give you the verse, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, hopefully. Matthew 28, 20. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Always. There's a promise. Always remembers his people. You know, it's a wonderful time to praise the Lord. It is. We're indebted to Mary this morning. Now, not to the extent, okay, where we're going to start falling before and worshiping her, having a statue and all this stuff and, and all that. that, that you know, and, and we don't pray to her. 
We don't pray, uh, we can't pray for her. She's already in heaven with the Lord. So it's just like a, a loved one, as soon as they've drawn their last breath, you know, praying for them is rather a, a moot point because they're already with the Lord or they're already in, in eternity without the Lord. But we do need to hold her in high esteem. Think about this. She was chosen by God. So there is some high esteem there. We owe her a debt of gratitude because she reminded us in this celebration of the Lord, she reminded us whether it's personal grace, whether it's favors for others, or whether it's for those times that the Lord proves himself faithful to the lives of his children, that we have a God who is worthy to be praised. That's what she's reminding us here. That's what she's getting over and telling to Elizabeth. You think about this. What Elizabeth, Elizabeth must have learned from just that little speech. And you think about it. What, did, what else went on for those three months that Mary stayed with Elizabeth before she went back? What did they talk about? What did they do? If that little infant leapt in Elizabeth's womb at the mere presence of Mary and that babe Jesus, the one that was in her womb, three months. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why babies jump around in there so much now. I don't know. But all I know is just what a blessing. We're going to look at something tonight, as a matter of fact, about these cousins. Not the Elizabeth and Mary cousin. Jesus and John cousins. What a blessing. Let's stand.